Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 146th video cast, 136th podcast for the week ending August 4th, 2022. Uh, we'll kick it off with some media spots. First, uh, just share a little bit about how the summer's going. A lot of swimming for the girls, a lot of golf for me. Uh, this is from the Nutmeg uh, uh, Championship, I guess it was, on Sunday. We were out near Yukon in stores and the girls picked up seven medals between them as you can well they didn't see me taking this picture but uh uh we were excited about that very 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 proud for them and all the hard work they're putting in um also want to uh go through some of this media stuff here uh thank uh amruta kandikar for including me in her reuters article yesterday on biotech I said uh, here, the drug pricing bill, even if it goes through, it will be very limited. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction last week when this came out, uh, came back out of the blue. And also, biotech is going to be one of those groups that can really grow in spite of a slower growth in economy. Uh, I think there are people now coming to that realization. And you'll see, we'll cover more of that as we go forward. Also want to thank Ellen Chang for including me in her article on thestreet.com. This was about autos, and I said they cannot book revenue without shipping cars to dealers and cannot ship cars to dealers without chips. The chips have started to flow in the last few weeks as we fulfill a backlog in new cars. Used car prices will come down hard, which is a key component in consumer price index. The decline in demand for PC and electronics has opened capacity to begin to meet auto demand. The huge backlog for auto demand can now start to get filled. GM sounds pretty confident. Well, um, this is, uh, we covered a lot of that from the semiconductor earnings in last week's podcast. You can re review that. But basically, five or six large chip companies in the last week and a half have said the same thing. Demand for consumer is down. Uh, demand for auto and industrial is up. And their revenues are up in, in all cases between 20 and 40% year on year in the auto chips, which means those chips are flowing. Uh, obviously, they're selling it, I'm sure, at a little bit of higher prices, but the units are starting to flow as well, uh, which is positive. And then finally, thanks to Bansari Kamdar, Noor, Zainab Hussein, and Danilo Massoni for including me in their Reuters article earlier this week as well. Uh, this was about Credit Suisse. I've talked about uh, some of the European banks on recent, on past podcasts, and she asked me about the downgrade in Credit Suisse Group. I said... A little late, but not expected. Currently, one of the worst-run banks globally. It's been one scandal or trading mistake after another for years. Hopefully, the new CEO, Ulrich Corner, can turn it around. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I know a lot of people have asked about the uh, European banks and uh, on the AMA questions in recent months, and we've always just said, kind of pass. Like, every scandal that happens, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, and others are right in the middle. Deutsche Bank seems to be getting a little better on that front, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see and keep an eye on it. So uh, this is some sectors. Just want to go through the sectors because we've had a huge move off the June lows when we put out the uh, As Bad As It Gets article and some of the other things uh, regarding sentiment when everyone was selling. Uh, hedge funds were selling at their highest rate in history. Uh, we said that, you know, if this is not a bottom, then we're in the wrong business. And it's proven to be so. The Nasdaq's up now 20% off those lows. S&P uh, up, um, uh, I think, about 15%. I, I have to double check that. Um, but want to go through the sectors. So you see communication services 
Uh, we don't use point and figure, but we do like this as a sector indicator, uh, percentage stocks on uh, point and figure buy signals. And uh, communication services still has a ways to go. NASDAQ still has a ways to go. More upside, consumer discretionary, getting a little overbought, but that, that could certainly run more. Uh, energy uh, has actually been rolling over in recent months in line with expectations. As a matter of fact, oil is now below 90, if you could believe it. Uh, we said the trap door would be opening, and it certainly has. Uh, bullish percent financials. We do think some of these banks are cheap. Uh, still, even though the yield curve is inverted, they've got uh, fee revenue and the banking will come back now that credit spreads are coming in again and deal flow is going to reopen in uh, September. Played golf with a guy who runs a big bank in New York, an investment banking uh, group, and um, he said... Uh, well, one, your game's gotten a lot better since you got new clubs. I said, it's not just the new clubs, it's the new swing. Uh, and uh, two, uh, actually, it was a funny story. So we were on a par three yesterday. <laughs> I hit pin high into the trap on the right. And uh, my first trap shot, I flubbed, which I'm usually pretty good out of the traps. So, um, but I don't get shaken. I just scrub that right off. And uh, um so I immediately uh, set up for the next shot, also out of the trap. I hold it for a par. It was unbelievable. I've never done that before and uh, pretty exciting nonetheless. Um, uh, but anyway, he believes too that uh, things are starting to loosen up. Credit spreads have come in and, uh, and we should start to see deal flow. That will help us uh, both on the high yield side. There's still no real bid for high yield, but that will change. You also saw Meta coming back into the market with bond offerings, Apple, uh, which tells us, uh, number one, rates have come in a little bit. As you saw, the 30-year uh, fixed rate has come now back to five. It was up as 563 just a couple of weeks ago. So things are thawing a little bit, which is really good news. Opinion follows trend as the equity market moves. So, so shall follow the credit markets and all of those bankers who were uh, kind of frozen in the last few months will get unfrozen and get some deal done, deals done before the end of the year and get, get their big bonuses. So uh, that's a good thing. Uh, healthcare still moving up. Uh, Dow still moving up. Got some upside here. Uh, industrials have had a move but still have a little run. These are like, you know, kind of like breath thrusts. You get these big moves and then the follow through, same off the low. It did, even though it got extended on tech, uh, it kept going for many, many months after that off the lows. Uh, materials still has room to run. NASDAQ, you know, this has been a big run. I wouldn't be surprised if they start to, you know, everyone's now reluctantly getting forced in. The pain trade is still up. I don't know if it'll be around 4,200 or whatever, but I do think that, you know, I think one, they've got to pull a few more reluctant people back into the market, not just people covering shorts. Uh, and once they get everyone back in, then just knock it down 5 or 10%, not back to new lows, just enough to screw the latecomers that didn't believe when we were pounding the table, uh, and, then, and then ram it up to, uh, in, in, into year-end or, or towards year-end. I also think the market is discounting a change of control, in, at least in the House of Representatives, uh, which will create gridlock, which is the, the ideal environment for the stock market, whether you're a Democrat or Republican is immaterial. What you want if you own stocks is gridlock. You don't want to have all Republicans uh, controlling the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, nor do you want all Democrats um, 
so that's going to change in November, and I think the market's also sniffing that out in addition to the Fed pause, uh, which we'll talk about. Uh, NYSE stocks, long way to go here. Um, real estate REITs uh, have some room to run. S&P, again, you know, this is a thrust off the bottom, so we could keep following through. Um, you know, as much as it would be natural to consolidate after such a big move, um, I'm, because so many people hate this and because so many people were not positioned, the pain trade is still up. So I'm being open-minded that despite such a big move, um, this could push high just to really you know, F everyone uh, based, on, based on the way positioning was in June, which we discussed. Uh, telecom has room. Transports, you know, big move, but it has room. Uh, that's, that's Canadian stocks. No one really cares. No offense. Uh, we love our listeners from Canada, and we know there are quite a few, so we like to always poke fun. Um, all right, utilities. So it gives you an idea. They've had big moves. This is still great. The equity put call ratio shows that there's still a lack of belief. Uh, on a 10-day average, the put call ratio is still elevated. You want to see elevated levels. That's near bottoms. That's a good thing. Uh, this one's moved, so that looks a little overextended. This one, if you remember, we were talking about for many weeks. That's just started to come out of the dumpster and move up the 1% uh, EMA advanced decline ratio on the NASDAQ. So that's good to see. This one looks like it's starting to roll over. Uh, that would you know, favor consolidation, but we never take one indicator at face value. We always look for a compilation. Uh, this again, similar type of situation, declining issues, tricks. Uh, that usually bottoms after a move up, but before a continuation. So we're seeing a similar type of situation there. Uh, Cohen high low volume, that's just coming off the lows now. Uh, so you can see there's there's more room to run, even though we've done uh, quite a bit of work off the bottom. Here are the real estate stocks just coming off the mat. That's because rates are now going down, REITs trade on yield. Uh, materials stocks, they had a huge run. They're taking a little consolidation. Healthcare, same thing. Um, yeah, so you can see some of these short-term indicators look a little bit overbought. So that's why... If you see a pullback in coming days, uh, not the end of the world, it's normal. Even the PMO buy all has gone up quite a bit. But as you saw off the pandemic lows, it went up and then it stayed elevated for many months. And then even as it went down to do these mini retests, the market was still grinding higher. Uh, and I think we'll see a similar situation. So I just wanted to put that out there because you know people are barely believing this and now starting to debate whether they should get in. And, you know, when you look at these indicators, it's kind of like, ah, you might have missed it short term. So don't get uh, curb your enthusiasm. If you're in, just ride it through. You're now very profitable from June. Uh, and uh, just deal with any consolidation. If you're not in, I don't know what to tell you. You should, uh, I'm sorry you didn't have our podcast a, a couple months back. Um, NASDAQ McClellan Oscillator, again, getting a little bit overdone in the short term. But as you saw off the pandemic lows, it gets overdone. It's kind of a thrust, but and it still grinds higher. But this right here is a little consolidation after that immediate over overdone. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some of this after the move off the lows, uh, just to keep the uncertainty levels high. And also uh, would not be a bad thing in terms of keeping the Fed uh, curb their enthusiasm. You had all the hawks out yesterday, which we'll talk about. 
don't buy the hype, but we'll, we'll get into that. The skew, I like this very much because it shows that there's still nothing left to insure. Everyone was taken out to the woodshed. There's a big tech hedge fund that's down over 50%. And even despite the huge rally in uh, June and July, recovered zero of that, which means they were forced to sell in the hole in June uh, at the exact worst time. And that probably had something to do with the readings uh, that we saw where hedge funds were selling more than ever in history uh, in that week of June when pessimism was at such an all-time high, uh, et cetera, et cetera. VIX is trending down as we had anticipated, and that's uh, kind of overall sentiment. Moving right along, uh, quote of the day from Peter Lynch, I think you have to learn that there's a company behind every stock. This is critical. We, cut, we went into, I think last week, other than that December article about Baba, I think last week's the better-than-feared stock market uh, was one of the most important. And if you just scanned that example I told of BYD with Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, please click here under popular post at hedgefundtips.com uh, and reread that because um, what Peter Lynch goes on to say, A, there's a company behind every stock and that there's only one real reason why stocks go up. Companies go from po doing poorly to doing well, which is why we're in BABA right now. They've done poorly due to temporary exogenous circumstances, uh, or small, small companies grow into large companies. And those are really the only two reasons stocks go up. Uh, on Friday, you had the uh, Alibaba was added to the list of 300 stocks uh, that could be delisted by, 2024, by the end of 2024 if they don't comply with the PCAOB. Uh, full auditing requirements or come to a deal before that time period, which is now uh, just two and a half years away. Uh, there is a bill in Congress that can move it up to one and a half years away, uh, but um, uh, that's immaterial. So uh, the stock shot down to uh, $88 on Friday, uh, did not take out those lows at $73 when they had the uh, China's uninvestable report from JP Morgan. So those lows have held since March. Uh, but we did actually jump on the opportunity. The stock was at $91 that morning. Uh, we took an, out another 1% of our equity and increased our notional exposure by 40% uh, plus uh, by adding to uh, the uh, near the money uh, call options, which are now probably by the end of today in the money. We'll see. And um, uh, that brings our basis down from 122 to about 113.50. I think it's 113.58 or something in that line, uh, which means as this thing starts to recover, which we saw from earnings today, which we're going to go into, uh, it's going to be a home run. Like all this misery, we used every opportunity of uh, distress to create future opportunity. And I think we're gonna be well rewarded, not only for our patience, but for being opportunistic and very tactical on this. Uh, Cause I think that the 99% of the bad news is now in the rear view mirror and there are just chronic upside catalysts moving forward. Uh, and then I said, here's why. So I said, reduce my blended basis from 122 to 113.50 on Baba this morning. Thank you, Mr. Market. The Mr. Market reference is from, um, uh, intelligent investor by Ben Graham. He talks about the manic depressive nature of the stock market that serves up incredible opportunities from time to time. And uh, Friday was one of those opportunities. Here's why you can click on this and see uh, what Munger and, um, and Buffett went through holding BYD for 10 years. The stock did nothing. 
uh, and then it was a 35 bagger over the next 24 months. Uh, so 35 bagger over 12 years was, I think, a 33% CAGR. And that's why as long as the underlying fundamentals uh, are stable and improving over time, the stock is going to catch up. And in the case of um, Alibaba, uh, we're paying 2014 prices for a business that's grown 500 to 800% plus, depending on which metric you look at. So we like that. Alibaba stock shoots higher after company beats on earnings, says business improved in June after you know the, the country was basically shut down again in April and May. Following a relatively slow April and May, we saw signs of recovery across our business in June. We are confident in our growth opportunities in the long term given our high quality cons consumer base and the resilience of our diversified business model catering to the different demands of our customers. Um, that was that. Uh, pretty exciting. And um, Alibaba sales better than feared despite economic turmoil. Shows the consensus, uh, the difference between price and uh, highest price target at 200. So there's a huge amount of upside even in the short term. As the price moves up, opinion follows trends, the price targets will move up as well. So that was positive to see uh, moving right along. Why is there perceived uh, pressure? SoftBank, uh, th th this has been happening all year. SoftBank has uh, had to raise cash because, you know, th they have their, um, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's their venture fund, you know, it invested in the likes of WeWork and a whole bunch of other unicorns that uh, are now, um, you know, blown up unicorns. So they are, they have a leverage problem. And they have to raise cash. And uh, the problem is they, they sell their jewels. So they've sold off more than half their BABA holdings uh, through what uh, they used um, prepaid forward contracts. And the reason they're doing that versus selling the shares is they are hopeful that they don't actually have to sell the shares. They're just effectively securing cash against the asset that they own. They own 25%. They've sold off half of that. Um, and hopefully they can get their arm holdings deal IPO, which has been delayed out in the fall, which would give them more than enough money so they don't have to sell their, their crown jewel, which is Alibaba. But that's probably attributed to a decent amount of the pressure, unnatural liquidation uh, in the first half of the year. That seems mostly now in the rearview mirror. Uh, if the market stabilize, my guess is that uh, that's going to be unwound and they're going to hold their shares. If they have to raise more cash, then you know they'll that they'll it'll come out of uh, Baba. But uh, I think it's it's basically it's like you know which kid did he want to sell, and uh, uh, he had no choice uh, based on being over levered in uh, a lot of companies that uh, were making no money. So that's his model, and eventually, as Warren Buffett says, uh, when the tide goes out, you can see who's swimming naked. And uh, Masi was was one of those that were swimming naked in this cycle. And, uh, but this guy is like a cat. He's got nine lives. He'll be back bigger and better than ever. Uh, and hopefully with his Alibaba stake intact. Uh, Jack Ma's aunt sees profit fall 17% after regulatory setback. Yeah, it's part after regulatory setback. But again, keep in mind, this is a consumer lending business. You have the country shut down for two months this quarter. Uh, of course, they're gonna drop a little bit year on year. Uh, I think it's less about the regulatory story and more about um, just what happened in the quarter. This is still a monster business with 850 billion yuan uh, in terms of uh, assets under management. 
not to mention the lending business, which obviously is, uh, is, is temporarily impaired due to the housing crisis that they have, due to the shutdowns, due to the uncertainty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's always darkest before dawn, so uh, we like that. Alibaba appoints two independent directors as it seeks Hong Kong primary listing. Um, so one of these two directors, which I thought was interesting, if you remember for Ant, one of the directors was who? The lady who ran the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which means they're getting ready to IPO, which we've covered many times. Baba holders own a third of that. Uh, that's not priced into the stock in our view. Uh, over time, that's probably worth $333 billion on its own as Ant will become a trillion dollar company. Uh, which the whole of Alibaba is now trading below that valuation. So, um, but one of the new directors of Alibaba, which is kind of interesting considering all the PCAOB issues and the delisting issues, is the former chairman of Ernst & Young in China, the accounting firm, uh, was appointed to Alibaba's board effective Thursday. So I think they want an accounting expert to come up with a way to uh, work around this PCAOB, as the company has ardently stated, they want both a primary listing in China, which will add, uh, excuse me, in Hong Kong, which will add to the Stock Connect, which will enable them like Tencent to attract, uh, you know, maybe 20, 30 billion dollars of flows or 10% of the float will be mainland China's investors who have never been able to invest in BABA. My sense is that the demand for uh, Alibaba stock will be even greater than that was for Tencent, uh, and maybe they see 40 or 50 uh, billion of flow in, of new investors as a result of the uh, primary listing in Hong Kong. But they've said they want this is for new investors. They want to maintain their investors by keeping doing everything possible to keep their uh, New York listing as well. Uh, Alibaba and Tesla rival Xpeng are teaming up. So Alibaba is going to help them with uh, technology for self-driving cars. This is a big deal because the the uh, government is intent on aggressively uh, building semiconductors domestically, which Alibaba is playing a role in, as well as uh, self-driving cars and that type of thing. So everywhere uh, that's going to be the future for China, Alibaba's got its hand in the pot. That's critical. Uh, this is a note from uh, Morgan Stanley, my friend, send over. This is Gary Yu. Uh, basically a summary of the Alibaba earnings this morning. Revenue and EBITDA beat across, beat uh, all across. The results show Alibaba's potential to drive efficiency, which was underestimated. Uh, mid single digit gross merchandise value decline is better than feared. The company's commentary on GMV and take rate outlook in Q2 are key to watch during the earnings call overweight the stock, which is great. Their price target is currently, you know, 40 some odd percent above the current price. These will get moved up as the stock price moves up. Um, so the key here is obviously uh, cloud sales increased 10%, 10.2% year on year, 2% above our est estimate. Uh, and the share repurchase, they bought 38.6 million ADS for 3.5 billion US dollars. They still have $12 billion remaining on their repurchase through March of 2024. Uh, moving right along, they, um, we covered the new directors and the share repurchases. That's from the press release this morning. If you look by segment, um, this was uh, total revenue. So you can see the China commerce was down only 1% year on year. 
uh, despite the, the country basically being shut down or the most populous cities being shut down for two, you know, half of the quarter. It's mind-boggling, miraculous. All the headlines, by the way, have been negative. Uh, Alibaba's revenues flat for the first time in history. Oh, well, uh, we've just had a pandemic for the first time in 100 years, and China happened to shut down their economy uh, for longer than we shut down our economy when the pandemic first started in the U.S. But yeah, that's bad news. They're, they're only flat year on year, despite you know, having the whole entire country shut down and people worried about their jobs. That's terrible results. Uh, but uh, you know, leaving the sarcasm aside, um, that's what creates opportunity in stocks. That's why Mr. Market serves up these dislocative events. And if you, you know you're dealing in high quality, you can pounce on them like we did on Friday. And as much as it was like a, uh, uh, you know, a undesirable morning, when we look back, it'll be probably the best morning in my investment career. But we'll, we, we, you know, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, cloud up 10% year on year with the country shut for half the quarter. Unbelievable. This is going to be the growth driver growing forward. International commerce up 2%. Uh, remember, that's growing huge outside of their country. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of gives you a blueprint to what's happening. This is from the chairman's letter, uh, which came out before earnings uh, earlier this week. And he said, the past year, Alibaba Cloud maintained its leading position in the Chinese market. Remember, China's five years behind the U.S. in terms of digitization uh, and realized full year profitability for the first time since Alibaba Cloud's establishment 13 years ago. If you remember the trajectory of AWS, I mean, you know, just look at AWS growth from 2009 to 2020, and you'll kind of have a preview of coming attractions as it relates to Alien. Only Alien is a big, bigger market, and, uh, and it's going to be unbelievable in, in our view. Since the first day our cloud computing was established, we have believed in its massive and universal value proposition, so we have been incredibly determined to focus our technology strategy around cloud computing. Today, cloud computing has become essential to the increasing adoption of the industrial internet, internet and as society is becoming smart and digitized. By 2025, the size of China's cloud computing market is expected to reach 1 trillion RMB, which is three times the size, three times the size of the current market in the next three years. Uh, that's pretty damn good, especially when they have the highest share and probably even more so after COVID uh, knocked out some of their competitors and speaks to the massive market potential. And the fact that they're just turned cash flow positive on that business, plus they're going to grow three times, plus their share is going to increase, plus you got... Um, uh, what's the, uh, you got uh, Ant Financial that's not even priced in, you get an IPO in that window. So plus, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. So our artists and global value partners had this to say about Alibaba in their Q2 letter, very similar to what we've been saying for the last few months. Alibaba rose 4% 4 during the quarter. We would love to say the share price performance was due to strong operational performance. Uh, unfortunately, that was not the case. The most recent earnings results, this is uh, not, Today's earnings, this is three months ago earnings results, showed its core e-business had still not returned to growth, primarily due to the difficult retail environment caused by the government's zero COVID policy. Alibaba also appears to be losing market share due to its product mix tilted toward apparel and cosmetics. That's in China only. The international is growing. Categories, slated, uh, categories currently stalled in this environment. The share price performance this quarter was largely a function of exogenous items, specifically uh, government actions in the form of stimulus to support the economy and less regulations. 
Despite the poor recent results, Alibaba maintain, remains a powerful economic engine. It is a global leader in e-commerce and cloud computing, both of which should grow nicely over time. Management has started taking actions to improve profitability, which has been burn, burdened by significant investment in loss-making business ventures. The financial results should improve significantly when China's economy starts to recover from COVID-19 outbreaks. The shares are incredibly cheap and have some of the highest upside potential in the portfolio. We agree on our side. Even embedding significant losses from new ventures, we estimate they are trading at 11 to 12 times unlevered earnings. In our view, the shares could double and they would still not be expensive. We couldn't agree more. We've, uh, we've laid out our intrinsic value estimates over the next three to five years, 260 to $300 range. Uh, and, uh, and we think in longer term, it's going to be even uh, more valuable. So, um, so, so that's that. Uh, here's what's happened in the last week. So you've got basically, um, let's see here, what we talked about three or four weeks ago, which was these are normal fluctuations on a day-to-day -day basis. These look like the worst thing ever. But just look at this other major bottom here in 2015. You had the lows in. Then you had a spike up, then they took it back almost to the lows, and then they ripped everyone's faces off. And we've had a similar situation. You got the lows in in March, they took it back up, they rolled it over. We're probably somewhere right around here, and then they'll rip everyone's face off for the next year and a half, uh, and, uh, and we'll be off to the races. So a similar type situation. Same thing here, by the way, in 2018. They, uh, you know, you had the lows in, they ripped it up, rolled it over, and then ripped everyone's face off for a double over the next uh, 18 months. In the previous case, it was 70 to a triple, so a triple and a double uh, and a similar pattern. You know, you put in the lows, you take it up, suck everyone in that was skeptical, rip their faces off, and then, you know, uh, huge, uh, excuse me, trap door them and then rip everyone's faces off on the way up. Same thing here. You put the lows in, rip your face off rally, trap door, knock them all out, and then, and then a rip roaring rally. So um, rip everyone's faces off, rally, trap door we had last month, and then hopefully we get some follow through here in the next year, year and a half, and get a double or triple plus, uh, and, and off to the races. So uh, CRC, CSRC, China Security Watchdog, pledges, pledges to prevent abnormal fluctuations in the embattled stock market uh, after a tough July. So Yi Hoiman, chairman of the China Securities Regulatory Commission, stresses the need for bottom line thinking. Uh, basically, they're just saying we're, we're, we're going to go in and buy equities if we have to. Um, it's a rule that market has ups and downs. The government should not intervene in normal fluctuations, Yi said, but... Not to intervene doesn't mean letting it move in any direction. <laughs> we must always, this sounds like redefining uh, the definition of a recession in the United States. We must always insist on a bottom line mentality, i.e. we have a line in the sand that we're not going to let the market go below and firmly avoid abnormal fluctuations triggered by market malfunction. If they want to juice this market, all they should do is start buying Alibaba stock and, uh, and unwinding the regulation because that's the heaviest weight uh, in the Chinese indices and, uh, and they'll have all the stability they need. Maybe they'll listen to this podcast and figure that out. Uh, premium on Alibaba's Hong Kong stock over U.S. share widens to seven times historical average after primary listing application. This was a temporary aberration, but the spread hit as five, wide as $5. Uh, 
that will be arbed out. And if it's not arbed out, we will be the arbitrary, uh, arbitrageur uh, shortly because that's guaranteed money. Basically, you can just buy a huge block uh, in the US and then convert it to Hong Kong. You've got no currency risk because it's pegged and make uh, basically a guaranteed 5% a day as long as that ARB uh, exists. I think that's narrowed since this stock was out, but if it hasn't, either us or someone else will go in and make guaranteed 5% uh, returns in, in uh, 24, 48 hours. So uh, that's a home run. Moving right along, uh, fifth of the US listed Chinese firms probably not qualified for Hong Kong listing, narrowing escape options, research fines. So the problem here, so 52 Chinese companies listed, including Renren and Waterdrop, don't qualify to, to list in the Hong Kong. So this is a further reason for the Chinese government to uh, come to some agreement with the PCAOB. If these companies are left high and dry, uh, they're going to lose a lot of jobs, they're going to lose a lot of investment capital, and they're going to lose all kinds of capital flows. So uh, they're kind of boxed here, and, um, and that uh, creates the likelihood uh, of something getting done in the next two and a half year uh, um, uh, timeline that they have until 2024 when, when they would be delisted if nothing changes. Uh, China's PBOC pledges stable financing for property sector. Uh, Ant Group changes top management and Alipay corporate entity and latest restructuring move. This is uh, designed to... Uh, uh, separate Alipay from Alibaba so they can move closer towards the IPO. The Chinese Politburo, Politburo ignites talk about $220 billion more in debt uh, in terms of uh, getting more stimulus to the system. Alibaba stock rises as e-commerce giant resolves to maintain U.S. listings. So uh, on Friday, the stock ripped down to 91. I think it even went into the high 80s. And then... Um, they came out and said, we want to do everything possible to maintain our U.S. listing. The idea of the Hong Kong primary is just so we can access the China Stock Connect like Tencent has. And uh, that will give us access to probably, you know, 20, 30, if, if Tencent is any uh, precursor, you know, 30 to 40 billion dollars of new investors. And, and I think more. Uh, Jack Ma's exit would smooth Ant's IPO march. So Jack Ma's giving up his uh, voting shares, he currently voting rights, currently has 50.1% uh, voting rights, even though he only owns, I think, 25% of the company. He's going to give those up so that Ant Financial can actually IPO, uh, which will make him a lot more money as a, as a holder of BABA, etc., because uh, we own a third of, the, of Ant. CSRC, China Security Watchdog Pledge, Oh, we, we covered that. They're going to uh, basically the plunge projection team of China. China unveils system for filing antitrust reviews in a sign of normalized regulations in the tech industry. So basically, if you remember, they fined a bunch of companies because they didn't file their regulation. This system where companies can now file every time they do a, an M&A transaction is signaling, again, the end of the crackdown and creating uh, solutions for uh, people to comply, et cetera. It's interesting, this headline changed. Basically, it was saying that uh, signals the end of the crackdown. They've, they've since changed the headline, but that's China. China's top leadership vows to give green light to a batch of tech deals in a sign of policy relaxation. Uh, during a meeting chaired by Xi Jinping on Thursday, leaders concluded that government would approve several tech investment deals. The statement is another sign the regulatory st storm over China's internet sector is over. 
as the government shifts its focus on boosting the economy. Again, all these things will will start to feel on a lagged basis, but uh, the key was getting the shutdowns over uh, in the major cities. SEC adds Alibaba to list of Chinese cons- companies facing delisting. Uh, the ADRs fell 11% on Friday. That created our opportunity uh, to increase our notional exposure by 40% with just 1% of equity increase, and um, and stocks are, uh, the shares are up since then. So, um, okay, uh, this was a tweet I put out on uh, Saturday uh, after the delisting fears. For all the worry about Baba delisting in the U.S., keep in mind that Tencent has had its primary listing in Hong Kong since 2009, what, the stub stock in the U.S. even before then, and is up 3,500%. Uh, over that period, Chinese investors currently hold. of Tencent stock valued at $29 billion via the Stock Connect. Alibaba would see similar similar inflows. And then this guy uh, uh, replied, Alibaba's stock price will only go up proportional to their earnings. Uh, (laughs) That's correct, uh, Captain Obvious. This means nothing uh, where they are listed. Tencent rose because earnings rose because of where it's listed. So then I put out the earnings and the revenues of uh, Baba versus Tencent. So you can see here, Tencent's um, revenues grew from 43 billion in 2012 to 552 billion uh, last year. So about 10X on the revenues. Operating income from 14 to 123. So 10X on operating revenues and 10X on uh, regular revenues. We can see here what um, okay, how Baba compared. If you want to talk about earnings being important, so Baba. Now the difference is the stock is up thirty five hundred percent, reflecting that ten x in revenues and in in uh, operating earnings. Let's see Baba since 2012. Well, Baba went from 20 to uh, 717 billion. So you're basically looking at not 10x, uh, not 20x, but closer to 40x uh, increase in revenues over that period and operating about 25x or about 20x over that period. So one grew 10x top line and bottom line, and the stock went up 35, uh, 3,500%. One grew um, 40x and 20x, and you can buy it at the same price as when it was generating uh, you know, less than one-tenth of the revenue and less than one-fourth of the operating income. And that's why we're in the stock. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, like BYD, and again, uh, if you haven't read that article from last year about how BYD did nothing and then all of a sudden it made 3,500% in two years, which worked out to a uh, 33% CAGR over the 12-year holding period, do read that while you're there. Click on terms. This is opinion, not advice. Uh, and as we say every week, moving right along. Um after we burdened ourselves with the facts, uh, onto biotech. So biotech is up 
uh, pretty big here in the last few, well, not last since the May bottom now, probably up almost 40%. So that's making beautiful progress. That's our second largest position, very close to Baba size as well. Uh, and it just talks about, you know, some of the drug data coming through on PSTX was up 94% yesterday, LAPB on a phase two up 13%, KNSA uh, on their earnings report, uh, MDWD on, uh, they got something approved and accepted by uh, the FDA, uh, and then some more um, catalysts coming forward. If you remember the three catalysts we said when we put the position on, um, when no one was interested in biotech, and they're still not, by the way, I think this is just getting started, um, despite being up 40%, is that um, number one was the valuation metrics were the lowest uh, since the mid 80s, whether it's uh, forward PE, price to cash, uh, I'm sorry, price to book, cash per share, uh, price to operating cash flow, forward PE, et cetera, all those metrics. Uh, number two, um, we would see animal spirits come back uh, with um, deals starting to happen. That's now happened in the last uh, six to eight weeks. Half dozen deals, $11 billion to $40 billion, starting with Biohaven, most recently Seagen, and a few other small ones. So animal spirits are back. And the third thing that would need to happen was FDA approvals. And we started seeing that this week and more to come. I think today there were a few some good news on uh, potentially on Alzheimer's, et cetera. That's going to be huge for the industry. The reason is the government's moved from uh, focusing on COVID to focusing on all drugs, and the game is on. Uh, Allen Lamb stock rockets 50% yesterday as trial results raise hope for a blockbuster. You're going to see more and more of this fear of loss. Uh, now, there was a headwind to the group a couple of days ago because of the new bill came out of nowhere last week uh the democratic bill uh, i think their inflation fighting bill which is about spending more money to fight fight inflation uh that must be part of the same bill where they redefine gdp but nonetheless uh drug industry poised for rare political loss on prices so the stock the group was down last week uh so i wrote this response on twitter uh looks like last friday some concern over drug pricing in the new bill uh, XBI and IBB, very limited. If passed, the first negotiated prices on 10 drugs will be in 2026, 15 additional drugs in 2027, 15 more in 2028, and 20 more in 2029. So this only affects uh, 60 drugs, and it doesn't start until four years from now. Uh, also, negotiated prices, prices would not be permitted until nine to 13 years after a new drug's introduction, which means you basically have unlimited pricing power uh, while you have a patent. And after the patent expires, you wouldn't have had pricing power anyway. So negotiation is a moot point because the generics would come out. Uh, and what this will, if it does pass, all it will do is, is uh, encourage drug companies to jack up the prices uh, in the first nine to 13 years to make back anything that they've lost on these other negotiations. So um, Yeah, Raymond James wrote, it is clear that if this legislation passes, it will lead to higher drug prices at the time drugs are first launched on the market. Uh, investment firm Raymond James wrote in their analysis. Uh, here's what that, um, the group looks like, and it's up another 7.76%. So it's gone from $61 in the May lows to now it's approaching $90. It's at 
$87. So we're, we're going to be knocking on the door to 50% move in the last two months. So that's a good thing. Uh, but again, just getting started. And then just look at other instances. So, you know, now you'll get everyone to chase, then they'll take it back and you think the move is over. Uh, and meanwhile, it's the beginning of an 8x move. Same thing here in 2016, which has kind of been our model. Get this move up, then they'll, they'll, they'll shake you out on it, open the trap door for the Johnny-come-latelys who jump in at 90 bucks, take it back down to 70 uh, before running it up 140% over the next two years during a tightening cycle. Uh, but all this stuff looks good. If you remember, we covered these uh, indicators. I said when fundamentals don't make sense, look at the technicals, and the technicals are starting to play out just fine. Um, okay, moving on to automakers expect car sales to defy economic gloom. We saw great stuff from Ford and GM and um, uh, the domestic providers, all of which are the biggest clients of uh, our auto supplier. This note, uh, which reports tonight, by the way, Cooper Standard reports tonight, I would expect bad results. Uh, the key will be guidance going forward. And if it's anything like GM and Ford, their two largest clients' guidance, uh, I think we're going to be very happy in the week, weeks to come. But again, the, the, the two key catalysts really more than anything else are the refinancing, which will probably come in the fall uh, now that credit markets are reopening and spreads are in 140 bips in the last three weeks of July. Um, but we're also starting to see a recovery from this trough in the last three months, the uh, new car sales sold by the OEMs. We're also seeing, this is from Morgan Stanley, by the way, this is how low it got. If you remember this quarter here during the recovery, they did like 30, 40 million of EBITDA uh, before you got the chip shortage and then everything rolled over and now chips are coming back. So we're expecting, we're going to start to see moves like this. Um, and then, uh, I think that was the key thing I wanted to show from this report. Okay, and then, okay, now moving on to the general market stuff, Tom Lee said, so the catalyst is the refinancing, number one, and then number two, as the chips do roll in, you're going to see, uh, the, so the dealer inventories are starting to tick up, which shows me that, although they're, you know, hugely depressed from historic levels, it just shows me that they have had the production kicking up, people are more optimistic in those last four weeks of Q2, the first two months of Q2 was a disaster because China was shut down. They couldn't get chips. The chips started to roll in in major uh, form in, I would say, June and probably July. Uh, so we'll see what their guidance looks like. But I think they're going to have a, a much happier look on things than they did probably the first two months of, um, of uh, Q2 when they were giving the last earnings call. Uh, so that'll be nice. And I do think, like Alibaba, I do think this earnings call is a little bit earlier than they normally report after the, or after the quarter. So usually that's, uh, they're not eager to you know, move the date up if they have bad news to report, but we'll, we'll see tonight. I mean, the earnings report is not the catalyst. The catalyst is the refinancing, number one, and then number two, getting the chips in over the next three to five years and getting this thing back to a normalized EBITDA, 250, 350 million of EBITDA, uh, $9 a share of earnings, 10 to 20 times multiple, multi-bagger. And, uh, you know, th these things are going to happen in rapid order in the next, you know, six to six to 12 months in our view. Um, okay. Uh, Marco Kalanovic on the general market. So Tom Lee was out saying he expects the market back to new highs by the end of the year. That's not a surprise. Uh, Marco Kalanovic was out with a note this week. I liked, uh, also found this year's pullback would be the second biggest to follow a recession. Should one be declared? Well, 
we know we had a technical recession with two quarters of negative GDP. They can call it whatever they want, but we had a mild recession. Uh, and, I did, and I do also think that the back half is going to be better, like Goldman's talking about, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, to be sure, valuations using next 12 months earnings expectation in the denominator occasionally have been lower, like when stocks bottomed in March 2020 in response to the COVID pandemic. During said pullback, the S&P 500's next 12 months price to earnings multiple bottomed out at 15.5, marking a drop of seven times, uh, seven multiple turns from its January peak. By comparison, in March 2020, the, uh, the S&P's next 12 months price earnings ratio hit a low of 13 times, so it contracted 6.7 multiples. The point that he's making is that... Um, All these recessions were marked with multiple contractions between four times and eight times. And we're basically at the low end of that range uh, with multiples having contracted 6.7 times. We had our technical recession, and this is normally a level where we could expect to see uh, a rebound. And we agree with Marco on that. We also like his note, although the activity outlook remains challenging, we believe that the risk reward for equities is looking more attractive as we move through the second half. Kalanovic wrote on August 1st, after the Nasdaq was up 18% off its bottom, by the way, uh, the phase of bad data being interpreted as good is gaining traction. We agree with that because that would put the Fed on pause. Uh, while the call of peak Federal Reserve hawkishness, peak yields, and peak inflation is, is playing out, we've been talking about that for weeks, his view that much of the bad news from weak economic data is now priced in and that stocks will end the year meaningfully higher is in sharp contrast to calls by counterparts at banks, uh, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and Bank of America. Bank of America, by the way, bottom-ticked the market perfectly. Uh, they put out their 3,300 target when the S&P was down at whatever it was, 36 or 3,700. That was the exact bottom. That was kind of equivalent to the China is uninvestable report in March. Um, she hit that perfectly, and the market's rallied 20% since. The peak of pessimism complements the Bank of America. And um, uh, okay, JP Morgan strategist says stocks valuations are still relatively cheap. Uh, and this is the 10 year median right here in the green, green dotted line, and you can see where we are now. So there's room to run, particularly. If rates are coming in, I mean, the 10-year the yield, I think it's at 270 today alone, uh, down from 348 at, at the peak. Uh, mortgage rates down from 563 to 5%. Uh, you know, and the futures positioning here is the most bearish since 2016. We love that. Uh, that was also uh, set up for a huge uh, multi-year rally. Again, in the same type of thing, fears of the tightening cycle, and during the tightening cycle, everything rallied. So these are concepts we've covered before they became mainstream uh, back in June when uh, no one was saying these things, and, uh, and now they are. So that's a good thing. Uh, this guy is a technical analyst over at Ned Davis, and he's saying that uh, this rally is probably the real deal because a pair of rare, quote, breath thrust signals. Uh, first, the percentage of stocks hitting 20-day new highs rose above 55% for the first time since June 2020. Second, a ratio of 10-day advances to 10-day declines rose to 1.9 for the first time since 2021. The moves came after a 10-to-1 up day for S&P 
500 stocks in earlier July. So he's saying this is not going to be a fake out. This is going to be a real, real deal. Uh, and I would add asterisk, even if they do have a little consolidation in the short term uh, to get out, you know, trapdoor the Johnny come lately's. WTI oil falls below 90 for the first time since the Ukraine invasion. Uh, we've been expecting that. Iran nuclear negotiators to meet in last ditch effort to revive deal. Don't hold your breath, but uh, that's still on the table. Cinema stalls revamped reconciliation bill. That's the one that has the drugs in it. Demands several changes. Uh, most notably is she wants to save carried interest for the private equity folks and uh, hedge fund folks. Uh, so we'll see if they get it done. Um, but Or the thing could get blown up. If they don't get this done before recess, the odds go down uh, really low. So they've got a week to, uh, to hash it out. Uh, article of the week, the jawboning stock market and sentiment results. So they paraded out the hawks this week, uh, particularly yesterday, trying to walk back the data-dependent pivot from Chair Powell last week. With a technical recession now booked in the rearview mirror, two quarters of negative GDP growth in first half, don't buy it. Last week's move by the Fed could potentially be, one, be the last move in this tightening cycle. Uh, I'll repeat that. Last week's move by the Fed could potentially be the last move in this tightening cycle. To say this is a minority view is an understatement. If this plays out, it would leave the Fed funds rate at 225 to 250. This is the same level that the Fed stopped and reversed in July of 2019. Uh, just to define jawbone, to attempt, and this is a verb <laughs> pronounced jawbone, uh, to attempt to influence or pressure by persuasion rather than by exertion of force of one's authority, as in urging voluntary compliance with economic guidelines. In other words, talk rates down, talk inflation down without actually having to aggressively tighten conditions. And that's what they've done. The Fed has no desire to exacerbate domestic debt servicing burden. Uh, higher U.S. interest rates is a magnet for capital from around the world flooding into the U.S. dollar so they can buy treasuries and make the spread. Uh, that's already happened. This makes us less competitive on a global basis. So they want to mitigate that. If you look at debt as a percentage of GDP, now at 124, highest since World War II, they will need above-trend inflation to inflate away uh, uh, the debt burden relative to nominal GDP, bring this number down below 100 like they did after post-World War II. Within five years, I think they brought it down to 60% through above-trend inflation and growth, uh, but not out-of-control inflation. So 3% uh, should be an expected trend for the next five years, not 2%. They'll keep talking 2%, but they'll keep acting in a way that gets us to 3% to get this number down. Uh, the U.S. dollar started to roll over, as we've talked about. You have the commercials aggressively short. That usually presages a, uh, a rollover. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but invariably you get these rollovers when the commercials have been short aggressively for some time, and they have been here. We're starting to see cracks, so I think the trend is down. You'll get fits and starts, but that'll be good for global competitiveness, etc. The Fed does want to reduce demand, but they don't want to destroy the economy. Uh, as we've covered multiple times in June, they, they were scheduled to do $47.5 billion in quantitative tightening. They did seven and a half. We'll find out July shortly. Um, but here's all the hawks of the last two days. The one that stuck out, which was comical, was Fed's uh, Mester, Loretta Mester. She said, quote, I haven't seen any evidence that inflation has even begun to level off. Apparently, she does not get commodity charts at uh, her Fed office and wherever she's located. Um, uh, nor does she get any other economic data that is relevant to uh, the components of CPI. 
leaving that aside, here's what's actually happening. Inflation is coming down. This is from Fundstrat. Uh, Loretta is probably not in Cleveland because in Cleveland's Fed, they have the inflation forecast now showing July CPI tracking at 27 basis points, which is 3.24% annualized or the lowest rate since January 2021, a collapse from the 9 to 12% annualized rates seen in all of 2022. So here's the data. When that translates into real prints, will it be next week? I don't know. Could it be September? Most likely. Uh, that's when this whole narrative will change and they can pause or um, stop. We'll see. Uh, now, home prices are coming down. No one's paying attention to this. 19.7% drop in two months, which is the average sales prices of new houses sold in the United States. So that COVID boom is rolling over. Uh, consumer confidence or lack thereof has bottomed. Expected returns for equity markets moving forward are positive when they get down to these levels. August, it was up 15%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can go back to all these times that consumer confidence got this low and what happened to the equity markets afterwards. Uh, household debt service payments as a percentage of disposable income uh, have never been better. The consumer is in fantastic shape. That's why we've been calling consistently for a mild uh, recession and a soft landing, which we got the mild recession in the first half already. Uh, second half US GDP estimates imply a recovery uh, in, uh, in the second half following the Q2 China lockdown. These estimates are for Goldman Sachs. They're looking for plus 1.8 in Q3, <clears throat> plus 80 basis points in Q4, and then next year, you know, uh, low ones. Slow growth environment is an ideal environment for uh, value tech and biotech to outperform, which has been our focus in recent weeks uh, and months as we've gone through in the podcast for our loyal listeners. Uh, credit markets, this is the most important chart in the stock market right now and to watch moving forward. Credit spreads have come in 114 basis points in the last three weeks. Expect deals and financing to return this fall. Hat tip, uh, Mitsubishi UFG Bank put out this chart and uh, this was the big concern. This is when credit markets closed in July and this is when things turned the corner. This is a huge move. We've got now credit conditions going back uh, three, four, five months. And soon we'll be back to the beginning of the year when the game was on. Stock market rebounds before a recession is over. Technical recession began in first half. In, it began in Q1 of 2022. Uh, so, um, you know, the market's all usually 10% plus higher uh, before uh, the end of the recession. So we'll, we'll see if the recession actually ended after two quarters of negative GDP growth. We'll know when we get the Q3 print in early Q4. Multiples have contracted in accordance with uh, previous recessions. We covered that. Earnings season takeaway. The big takeaway is that earnings season was better than feared. Revenues were up 14% year on year and earnings up 6%. Not bad considering China was locked down for the first half of the quarter. Managers came into earnings seasons hidden, hidden under bunkers. Highest cash level since 9-11 and the great financial crisis. Uh, and when their fears were proven unfounded, a panic chase ensued with the NASDAQ up now 20% off its June lows and the S&P up 15% over the same period. Pessimistic analysts and spectators were calling for a 20% markdown in earnings estimates. They were wrong, and we got a modest 2% decline. Uh, while we booked a technical recession, two quarters of negative GDP in the first half, the market is sniffing out the road to recovery as inflation comes down. See Cleveland Fed's inflation forecast of 27 bips, 3.24% annualized, and the likelihood the Fed slows or pauses its pace of tightening in the face of its mild slowdown. If you're on the podcast, you're going to get cut off in less than a minute. Just go to hedgefundtips.com. 
Uh, scroll down to categories, click on videocast week, weekly recap. Uh, you'll get the YouTube video and all you have to do is fast forward to minute 60. You'll pick up word for word where you left off for the last uh, five or 10 minutes and the ask me anything uh, question section as well, which pe many people find extremely valuable. So um, while these analysts were calling for a 20% markdown in earnings estimates, they actually got a 2% decline from 250 down to 244, 245 for next year. Margins have held up. Everyone is calling for the end of margin expansion. Uh, despite inflation, they've held up meaningfully. That's because technology